friends, thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Earthy Delights podcast. Today, our guest is Will, who is an old friend of mine, who was kind enough to give us his time to talk about his journey, starting from a buzzing mind and wanting to be accepted as a teenager, to developing an addiction and the difficulties that brought to the present day, where thanks to a 12-step program, he says he's the happiest he's ever been. Enjoy. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, good, Jim. Thanks a million for having me uh, on the podcast. I'm actually a big fan. I've been uh, listening to yourself and Seb over the last kind of couple of weeks and months, and uh, yeah, I get a lot out of it. So yeah, thank you. Appreciate thank you for having it. me, and thank you for having the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. I mean, it's it's going okay so far. You know, we're learning a lot. Uh, even the last like few months, me and Seb, like, wow, we think we've improved significantly. And even we we look back or we listen back and we go, oh, you know, but. Uh, it's like anything though, isn't it? Yeah. Like you kind of have to tip the toe in and then all of a sudden you're kind of you're kind of learning as you're going and picking up different kind of ways to improve the mm. podcast, the format, the interview style, all that kind of stuff. So that'll all come. It's all a learning process, I guess. And, you know, anyone who starts out at anything has to begin somewhere. True. So. <laughs> but it, it, I think it's funny, man. Uh, I was only thinking about this the other day, how there are some things that people think, ah, oh, yeah, that's pretty easy. I can just be good at that, right? So I think podcasting is actually one of them. I think people think, ah, oh, like that's not too hard. I can do that. Painting is another one. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah every yeah. dad thinks he can paint, but I'm sure if you ask a professional painter, they're like, oh god, what's yeah. he doing with that brush? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're right, and it's like you pick up anything. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. they've made that look easy. <laughs> like what? It's like 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 you said, painting, abstract art. You might get a painting that has a red dot in the middle of a completely <laughs> blank canvas, you know. So we're like, oh, I could fucking do that, you know. And uh, <laughs> but there's there's method to the madness, and there's sure. a lot of thought behind just that one simple red dot. And sure. uh, I think people kind of think that they can, you know, I don't know, maybe it's an ego thing or or whatever. But a lot of people think that they can do things just because yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and that they think they're capable and stuff like that and mm. now i commend you I, I really do man um oh, kudos you. to the pair of you thank you so, so that will be delighted <laughs> uh cheers man so man we went to university together we did we did um four years of a four long years four, yeah four intense beautiful long years mm. and after i guess we kind of did go our separate ways yeah um, i think we stayed in um relative touch yeah like we weren't too far away from each other yeah i mean that that's the thing like yeah. that's just part of life isn't it people kind of go their separate ways uh, uh, naturally it's mm. not it's not anything personal whatsoever it's just kind of you know people find different routes in life and all of a sudden they they find themselves within that certain route and it's it's kind of like oh i'm here now and oh yeah i wonder what jim's doing mm. you know it's those kinds of things um but yeah yeah cer- certainly we did um you went down a kind of uh, a very kind of spiritual route, <laughs> which is very interesting. And I kind of went down somewhat of a spiritual route myself. Yes. Yeah, we can get into this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the I remember we I I think I texted I can't remember what happened, but I texted you maybe five five months ago, and you were explaining to me how um, you weren't drinking anymore. Mm. Correct. And then you were kind enough to then unfold some of your story. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You you would kind of text me, um, you know, maybe we'll link up for a pint or, yeah. or whatever it was. And I remember at that stage, I was kind of going, "Oh Jesus, how do I get out of this? And how do I, how do I tell him 
you know that I'm kind of a recovering alcoholic drug addict like mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said we've, we've gone our, our, our separate ways and and you know you may have kind of seen me my partying days in college and obviously mm-hmm. we were friends in college and stuff like that but a lot has happened since we've left college you know and gone our separate ways so my thing was like oh god how, how do I how do I how do I articulate this you know um, but then again it could have been you know for you, I don't know if it came as a surprise, if it came to you as like, okay, yeah, no, about time, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess I, I, surprise is maybe not the word I would use, but also it wasn't, oh, yeah, I knew that was happening. Gotcha. You know, I think I've met some people, I mean, I, I have have friends with people that I think can go down this route, and we'll talk about how, you know, it, it can happen to a lot of it. It's not like... Right, right. Know, um, I think, yeah, there are some people that I've come across that maybe, um, I get the impression that they maybe they're escaping through these means that aren't particularly healthy, mm. more so than others. So, like, I remember we went out in college, and <laughs> I remember you used to do this the nagging, the down and the nagging thing, oh, which and then yeah. you used to do the weird thing with your throat. I remember I couldn't fathom how you did that. Yeah, yeah. like that was. <laughs> That was the kind of like, that was the thing that I used to mask yeah. for for a long time. You know, I, I went to kind of a, a an, an all boys um, kind of very testosterone fueled secondary school, and that was kind of like the norm. You know, mm. kind of like you know, it was kind of like a pissing contest in a, in a way. Like mm-hmm. who can who can if you can't drink X amount, well then not that you can't keep up, but it's like you definitely earn your your place yeah, yeah, within yeah. a kind of respected group of lads, you know. And and in a way, I kind of it was interesting. I never felt that I needed to keep up, but in fact, this was brilliant for me because mm-hmm. it allowed me to drink as much as I wanted to, yeah. you know. And I remember with this 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 um this nagging thing that you're talking about <laughs> and be kind of like oh I would make a, a spectacle of this you know I can open up my throat and get a nagging down the hatch within three seconds or whatever but in reality while everyone was like oh my god that's disgusting or oh my god that was so cool or whatever it was in reality I was the one getting a hit yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. and for a long time you know I've I've, I've a, a few different groups of friends and like the guys in school for example that wouldn't be abnormal mm-hmm. but I remember being out with other friends and not even college friends, but just a different group. And then we're like, what? Jesus, what, a, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, oh, but is this not the person that, am I not funny? Am I not, uh, you know, are you not entertained? Yeah. You know? And and then I would be, you know, somewhat um, revealed in, in a way, or okay. I'd be vulnerable, I'd be left open because that's all I had to mask that, you know? Because this is good because I remember we were talking last week and you mentioned how the that the emergence or popularity of drink in Ireland or within your circle or whatever was was actually a relief for you because you mentioned that you had several interests and several like groups of people you mm. like hang around with and then the common. Uh, how would I say the common denominator, denominator was mm. like oh, a drink, um, and you? I think you mentioned that it was, it was something that everybody did, and so 
I could kind of um, be the person that people liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I suppose I kind of I always kind of felt myself, you know, that it was a weird one, um, um, Jim, because that's it's it's exactly kind of what alcoholism is you know a lot of people kind of think you know brown paper bag and a bottle of vodka and uh-huh. you know homeless on a street whereas when you peel it back further it's a lot more going on it's a lot more of um it's a kind of a, a hole in the soul kind of type thing you know and and your head will tell you loads of stuff you're, you're constantly seeking self-validation you're constantly thinking of what others are thinking of you and and again it's all it's very self-centered stuff you know it's kind of what do they think of me? Mm. Where do I fit? And all this kind of stuff. And that's how it was in school. You know, I, I never had a problem with making friends. Mm-hmm. The issue lied, where do I fit in with everybody? Mm-hmm. You know, so like I said, in an all males um, secondary school, it was very much, you know, you had your kind of, you know, you had your jocks, you had your, you know, artists, you had um, the really kind of academically gifted guys, you had the drama club you had there were so many different elements you know and and I really enjoyed seeing how people worked and how people kind of communicate with each other and it was that to me was a, a spectacle but mm. the one thing that you know made me feel like I fit in with all of these groups was that everyone we were all at a kind of an adolescent stage where booze had come into the scene you yeah. know and and um when I found that suddenly I I had arrived and I had been kind of okay now I know what I'm meant to be I'm the party guy you know uh, I'd struggled so much with with um, a sense of identity I suppose growing up and like I said I it, it's a weird feeling you know being part of 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 groups but always feeling like you're outside it mm-hmm. you know from the outside looking in rather than the inside looking out mm-hmm. and and that's kind of you know I, like I said I found my identity when, when I found booze because now I was good at something mm-hmm. and I was good at something that everybody understood and respect and respect yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I was that guy um, just before we move on to like maybe how it escalated can you is there a poem where you can like pinpoint um, this like realisation <laughs> or was it unconscious like the um, it's a good question. I, I definitely remember the first time I um I got drunk. I definitely remember that. Um but as far as to say like, you know, the pinpoint the whole the whole shebang, uh-huh. the whole um explosion I guess. I don't know. I, I, I kind of you know, thought about it a lot and, you know, with some of the work that I'm kinda of doing on myself, uh-huh. I'm kinda of figuring a lot of stuff out, you know, and the way I kind of see that is kind of like, you know, and I think we were talking about this before, you know, with the kind of the beehive example, you know, yeah. so say, for example, you know, for an alcoholic or a drug addict and just a regular Joe, that each brain has is like a beehive, you know, and each bee is like a talk going around and stuff like that for the non-alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the alcoholic's brain, it's kind of it's kind of like every bee in the alcoholic's brain has a brain like a non-alcoholic. So what I mean by that is like, it's like a lot of thoughts, a lot of worries. All of these thoughts and worries have thoughts and worries. Mm -hmm. And all of those thoughts and worries have thoughts and worries. And suddenly you can find yourself in a situation by feeling just like, what is going on? Or you'll daydream a lot about certain things that have never happened. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, it, when I found booze, it was kind of like, aha, that shut that up. Mm. And these were the kind of feelings of, you know, that kind of irritable, restless discontentness that I had felt inside the whole time. That suddenly when I found booze, and that's not talking about the, the, the first time I felt drunk, I was like, okay, this is brilliant because now all of this buzzing from this beehive mm -hmm. has completely just stopped mm -hmm. almost or at least drowned out and I can't hear it as much, you know? I get you. I think by way of your question, when did it all kind of, before it all unfolded, I think, you know, I signed up to, to, to the whole booze and drugs thing um, to quieten this, this buzzing, but nobody told me that the, the buzzing one day is going to get louder and louder mm. and to do to drown that out i'm going to have to take more take more extreme. and more yeah. you know but i also have a, a head that i you know that i'm born with is that it's nothing is ever enough mm. you know so i have to keep going and once i start i can't stop and that's the disease of this alcoholism you know it's you you kind of break out in like a, a physical craving and a mental obsession that once I start I cannot stop mm -hmm. so if I'm quietening down those buzzing bees well then I'm in a very dangerous place because I know how to quieten them down well, but I don't know how to stop that mm -hmm. when, I, when I exactly yeah. so does that answer your question yes okay. no, I get you um, I guess my next question would be the transition between only drinking and then taking drugs oh good question um was this just kind of you're out and then the boys have i don't know some mma some um games, or... it, yeah i suppose like it's it, it's it's an interesting one because for me booze was always like say for example say 14 to i don't know 19 mm -hmm. 18 maybe booze was always i was always abusing alcohol it was mm -hmm. never it was never um really that sociable um, but that was always an un underlying kind of drug, I guess. Mm. But then once I've kind of like, I, I think there was a bit of weed going around and stuff like that. And a lot of my friends were smoking it, but it just didn't really interest me. Okay. You know, it slowed me down. And, I, <laughs> I, and, and because I've a head, like I said, like a beehive, my thoughts of thoughts and those thoughts of thoughts. So when I'm smoking, that intensifies and I, I get anxious and I, get a little bit paranoid or I'll chime into a conversation that I'm like that's already over 10 minutes ago and stuff like that you know so I didn't really that wasn't really my thing but certainly once we went into college um, unlike everyone you know it's kind of like this is our experimentation phase and you know th uh, there was a lot of that there was a lot of experimentation and uh, in those days and, and I learned a lot I had a lot of fun don't get me wrong <laughs> um, I, I had an awful lot of fun and um but you know the fun wears off in 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 ways for for many people and they know when to to go home mm -hmm. but they know and okay fuck this this is the party is over mm -hmm. whereas for me i would hate the party being over because it meant that i was left with myself again and my head mm -hmm. you know so the transition was a fact that I can't go home, I can't be with myself again. Whereas other people are like, they don't have these thoughts all the time, or these racing mind, or feeling like they need to escape. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think when I once I got into college and drugs came into my life in all kind of shapes and sizes of kind of yokes, 
ketamine, you know, TCBs, TCIs, mushrooms, acid, all of this kind of stuff that all of a, a sudden I was, booze wasn't, it, it just wasn't cutting it. You know, mm. I fi- found myself through all of these experiences that different drugs do, you know, that I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Because not only am I escaping, but now I'm like entering into a different fucking parallel universe with some of these things, you know, and and that was exciting. It was it was and I was learning more about people because certain people you'd be at kind of say sessions with or, or whatever on a night out or we're doing various types of drugs. And like I said, growing up, I'm, I have such a big interest in people and how people connect with each other and all that kind of stuff. So on drugs, people connect with each other in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I just knew mm-hmm. like oh my god this is this is a totally different way of viewing people now you know which was something i was so interested in um and yeah yeah so i know i'm I'm probably rambling a bit am i because Mm. what came to mind there was while i always liked you in college Mm. um, (laughs) where's this going (laughs) (laughs) no when you say this what comes to mind is i never felt like i really knew you Mm. and not necessarily because we didn't spend a lot of time. I think we did spend like quite a lot of time. I I always felt like there was there was some sort of um, barrier stopping mm. me from getting to know you. Um, and then when you say this, you're like, oh, I can actually connect with people on drugs, and like this is real connection making. Mm. Um, that's what comes to mind. Where well, 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 it's 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 an interesting one because like that, you're you're not the only person to have said that to okay. me, and there. I have an answer for you and it, the reason being is if I I'm always conscious of how much I give away right. or I'm and by with that like what I mean by that is like I can manipulate certain situations and, and conversations and I've become a master manipulator doing that uh-huh. um, and to avoid certain things certain people certain places certain things all okay. these kind you know and because I do that because I'm afraid and it's full of fear stuff and I'm afraid that if you really knew me uh-huh. you wouldn't like me okay you know and that's what that's what it ultimately kind of boils down to um and I can't let you too far in because, because then you'll figure me out uh-huh. and I'm a phony I don't deserve to be friends with you uh-huh. does that make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So I, while I'm affable and I keep people at a close distance, it's there's still a distance, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I won't let you cross that line. And, and which is funny because when I'm on, when I was on sessions that were on, you know, fucking two day rollovers or whatever, <laughs> and sitting in a bedroom, I'll tell you my entire life story, <laughs> you know, and um, because I'm with someone who I don't need to hide anything because from. Because they're in the same boat. They're in the same boat, or like okay. they're, you know if they're using whatever no one judges yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. well towards the end people definitely did people okay. will slow down please slow down I can't be in a room with you and that kind of stuff but okay. yeah that, that, that answers your question I hope yeah um, so can I ask about how would you describe then your relationships yeah would you say that the majority of them were like quite fickle and quite surface um, ooh, great question again Um I, the more I kind of think about it, the more I'm kind of like, this whole thing, 
that I had inside about kind of keeping people at a distance is the same reason I felt on the outside looking in. So, So while I had friends and I really wanted to know more about them, the friendships weren't fickle. I wasn't feigning the friendships. Uh-huh. Um, but there was only a, a certain depth to those and weight to those relationships. Because you weren't willing to be like vulnerable because you thought you might get found out. Well, that's how human connection works, isn't yeah, yeah. it? It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you drop your guard entirely, odds are I'll, I'll probably do the mm. same because that, again, is all this... It's a, like I said, like human connection, which is funny and it's ironic because I craved that so much, mm. you know. But yet you couldn't do the but one I, thing that would have. But I couldn't do the one thing that I sought. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, so, for instance, if I came up to you in third year in university mm. and I say, "Oh, here, well, I'm it's probably not my place," but I think maybe you have a problem. What do you think you would have said to me? Um, I would have or did it happen like did anyone towards I think the end of third year fourth year people was the first time I kind of felt that energy of concern okay um, certainly my folks were and my family was I was tearing the house from the inside out okay um, well I can touch on that a bit later on but mm-hmm. but but again like I said I was a master manipulator so I can keep everyone at a close distance but like I said there's a distance so a lot of people who kind of showed somewhat of of a concern which is which is funny because they're the same people that are with me today you know and it's 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 interesting to to um to observe that but I think you know going back to your question I think if you had told me that I deep down would have known I knew, I think, from a pretty early age, actually, that someday the day would come that the gig would be up. And I knew deep down in my heart that life would be better without alcohol and drugs. But certainly alcohol, because this was even before the drug time, you know. And so I knew deep down that that would, was the case and I knew as well that when people were expressing somewhat of concern I knew that it wasn't bullshit I knew they were on to something mm-hmm. but I absolutely was not ready to accept that do you think you would have reached this uh, realisation that you needed to stop if the culture didn't semi-accept it you know the way, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like getting drunk consistently is kind of frowned upon here. It's mm. it's kind of normal, kind of normal. It definitely, it definitely made things, it definitely accelerated it a little bit, you know? It definitely, like, I, I, I for, for example, cocaine, mm-hmm. you know, I, looking back on it now, I'm in a way, I'm kind of grateful for it that I found coke because it accelerated me into recovery. Okay. It would have got me here. It got me there so much quicker, but because of how qu- quickly everything was moving and, you know, especially in college, man, like you can kind of go out five or six days a week yeah. and no one really bats an eyelid. Oh, yeah. So that routine or yeah, the routine of drinking and, and using drugs 
caught up with me very quickly. Um, so I don't know if that's really answering your question, though. No. Uh, it, Maybe rephrase it. <laughs> just so I can... No, I guess... Uh, like, you did answer the question. It's just... I guess it's a difficult question to answer, though, because mm. it's not a simple yes or no. It's I often wonder that some people that maybe have the brain that you have, people mm. like this brain, that it's maybe not giving them the best chance for them to live a prosperous or a prosperous life or flourish mm. in such a society that kind of encourage man when I stopped drinking for a while my dad would be like mm. you're not having a few pints son you know and it was it was almost like disappointment you know? yeah. and, and it's just so it's not like my dad wants me to be, to be an alcoholic my dad is just mm. it's part of the culture it's like it is man okay uh, put it this way mm. I think that and this is truly what I believe and and like it we were talking earlier, like the World Health Organization classifies this as a disease, mm. okay, alcoholism. And the way I see it, if there is that nature nurture type of thing. So if you have like, you know, someone who lived in the mountains, mm-hmm. you know, and someone who was in the city going to college, mm-hmm. for example, and this person in the mountains lived alone mm-hmm. but did have the disease of alcoholism. It, it wasn't accelerated by any point because he wasn't there's not like stimulant there's no stimulant to kick it off okay. you know but odds are he has that beehive brain that I was talking about and you think that he would if he found booze okay he would be a hell of a lot more susceptible to be an alcoholic or try to drink alcoholically okay do you think that the people that are you know ultra runners and these kind of extreme sports do you think they have that brain also and they're just kind of good question (laughs) Um, I know a lot of people who once they put down the booze or the drugs you know become skydiving instructors or (laughs) you know these adrenaline junkies because they're doing something that feeds that 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 hole in the soul mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and they feed that kind of that mentality that that we we all possess as alcoholics and it's it's um it's it's a it's a good one it's a good one because people will f- figure out ways to um to do that all the time you know um and i also think as well remind me of your question sorry uh, do you think that people who are ultra runners or mm. to chase the extremist sports mm. lifestyle, do you think they also have that buzzy brain? That brain that you think that the, the brain that you have. Sorry, yeah, I'm with you. Um, like, I mean, not every single adrenaline junkie <laughs> is an alcoholic or a drug addict, but there's definitely a high, uh, a large proportion strong of strong correlation. Yeah, a correlation yeah. there, man, because it's kind of like, especially if you being a drug addict you've seen life very fast and you've experienced experiences that have been thrilling mm-hmm. you know when you don't have drugs anymore and you're allowed to jump out of a plane or you're allowed to go rock climbing or you're allowed to do all these things you're gonna latch on to something like that as a way of an escape mm-hmm. you know because it gives you that sense of escapism mm-hmm. and adrenaline is like if I stabbed you in the leg with a, a, a needle of adrenaline you'd be buzzing 
Do you know what I mean? And you'd be bouncing around the place and, you know, your your muscles would tense up and all that kind of stuff. And uh, pe- people like that. People, mm. especially drug addicts, mm. especially alcoholics, people like that. Uh, more so drug addicts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks, man. Um, maybe can we move towards after college then? So <laughs> me and you go our separate ways. Yeah. I run into you sometimes, mm. maybe in a pub. Um yeah, I remember actually running yeah. into you in a pub. Yeah, actually, yeah. it was at Wheelands or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, oh, I like, I remember sitting there actually being mm. like, oh, he knows exactly. Really? I was off my rocker. Yeah. Really, really was. Um, I remember feeling that guilt and that shame. Just by talking to me? By talking to you. Yeah. Like, he, know, he, he knows I'm on something and he's just being polite by not saying it. You know, I don't know. Was that was that true? I, I, I definitely was aware that you were on something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would take a genius though. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I suppose after college, what happened? I kind of left college, and all of a sudden, I was in a space where a lot of the people around me were getting big boy jobs mm-hmm. and or emigrating or taking a gap year or anything like that you know and I was in a position whereby I was working my college job and it was kind of just it was very kind of mediocre cash Mm -hmm. so I I didn't have I I was slipping further and further into addiction at this point Um, and I didn't have any ambitions or goals really I knew I just had to do something by keeping up with the status quo and keeping my folks off my back. Um, and I, I, I ended up getting an internship um, in a job that I'm actually still with to this day. But because of that, and because I still had a roof over my head, and because I still had a small bit of change in my pocket, I had a job. Mm-hmm. I have a degree now. Mm-hmm. You know, things seem manageable. Okay. Things seem... Like, so all of a sudden, this, what we chatted about earlier, you know, that feeling of like, well, yeah, the way my behaviours and the way I, I, my patterns of drinking and using don't, are, they're wholly justified now because I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing everything ah, I need to. Okay. You know? I'm uh, fulfilling what's expected of me. I'm fulfilling what's expected of me, okay. which is what I try to do my yeah. entire life is live up to everyone else's expectations. Okay. And be someone I wanted to 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 be you know accepted uh-huh. and and fit in you know and that's what I I did in a way and I knew that it was going to keep everybody happy while I still used and boozed in the background I get you you know so in a way it, it that accelerated things mm. um but the using and boozing all these chapters as I was talking about like this yoke stages this ketamine the two CBs two CIs mushrooms acid all of this speed like they that kind of took a halt mm-hmm. and it funneled then into cocaine and cocaine was what got me at the end yeah. booze and cocaine yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't stop at all um you know it, it's a dark dark rabbit hole you know all of a sudden I was in this is what I meant what I said earlier on about the buzzing getting louder and me having to drown it out uh-huh. um while on paper, like I said, I have my job, I have everything like this, and things are 
on paper going in the right direction, I was dying inside. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of life itself. I was afraid of myself. I was afraid of my capabilities, my incapabilities. I was afraid. It was just full of fear, man, you know, and things were so unmanageable that I escaped that unmanageability. The underlying and emotional unmanageability by, by using drugs and stuff like that. And it got out of hand and I reached a point where there was no return. You know, this wasn't a luxury anymore. It was a necessity. And um, that that's that's exactly what happened. And, and it's interesting, you know, I look back on that kind of like when I first found booze and was so social and and I, you know, what I said, I had arrived and I was finally this person i had an identity and all of this kind of stuff and so it's important for the listeners to know that mm. he was cool <laughs> yeah, well i mean <laughs> but it became uncool yeah like so uncool you know really really it did but you know it was it what was interesting was i i, I did this so i could be away from myself and towards the end of it, like I said, I had fun. Then it was fun with problems. And then it was just problems. And towards the end of it, it was isolation stuff. You know, it was drinking vodka. It was sniffing coke in my bedroom. And all of a sudden, I found myself with my thoughts and alone again. How did I get here? How did how did this happen? You know, how do I... I still have a job and stuff, but like... You know, this what what's going on? You mm-hmm. know, and that scared me, and it scared me to the point of like, okay, I I should probably start looking at you know treatment centers, okay, and stuff like that. But again, that was going on in the background because I had booze to drink and, and <laughs> drugs to sniff, you yeah. know, and and it was in the background, but it had come more to the forefront now but that doesn't mean I was acknowledging it okay you know um, and that's what I mean that it became a necessity rather than a luxury because I knew what was right for me I knew what I should do Mm -hmm. I knew what steps I needed to make to to change things and you know frothy and emotional appeal seldom suffices (laughs) and what I mean by that is like like my mum my poor mum who I have an amazing relationship with her today, she cried, like, and cried, and cried, and cried, and begged me, and begged me to to, to get help, and to, you know, she'd stay awake countless nights, wondering, is Will okay? Is Will going to come home? Has he done anything? You know, mm-hmm. has he been in an accident? What's, who's he with? Um, and, yeah, was, I knew, like, so, but just to finish on that, mm-hmm. I always kind of get a bit like, Phew, when I think about my mom, especially, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm saying is, the addiction runs the show. Mm-hmm. Nothing, none of my mom's tears could have stopped this, mm-hmm. you know. And that's sad. That's really, really, really sad. I would have chosen a bag of coke or a bottle of vodka over anything it ran the show it ran my life and that that's yeah and what eventually did I went for an assessment to a treatment center uh, rehab I think it was around Christmas of 
2018. Okay. And I did this because, like I said, things were in the forefront. Things were getting really out of control. Okay. Now, um, and I, I found myself kind of going, if I do this assessment, mm-hmm. it'll keep my folks off my back for a while. But I also kind of want to dip my own toe in okay. a little bit okay. just to see what's going on here, you know. And that Christmas, I I actually came into like a, a kind of a, a sum of money okay. and uh, I blew it all within like three weeks. On, on Dublin Christmas time is legendary. Well, it is, yeah. man. It is. <laughs> it is. But that's, that's the, again, the sad thing. People spend their nights out on... 12 pubs, Mm -hmm. they spend their nights out on Christmas parties, they spend their nights out on meeting up with friends they haven't seen in a while, Mm -hmm. all of these kinds of things, and it is an expensive time, it absolutely is an expensive time, and I think there's the barrels of Guinness that get, you know, (laughs) get, uh, it's like a conveyor belt in some pubs, I guess, but, um, but, yeah, that that wasn't my Christmas, you know, my Christmas was sitting there, alone, and just drilling it, or if I, I would find other sessions or other people who were out on various other nights but I was pretty much awake for the majority of three weeks you know yeah yeah, yeah. and and f- 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 like if one group went home I'd ring another group they'd probably be out oh I know they're doing this this Saturday so I'll stay awake until Saturday because then I'll keep going again ah, okay. you know and and then it just became I, I you know there was a lot of seizures around that stage you know I was okay. pumping so much coke into me that it, I was you know having genuine seizures and it was really 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 dangerous dangerous stuff and it was like, yeah, uncontrolled convulsing yeah, yeah 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 i remember this was the thing like this is how much i wanted to escape but it was almost how much i wanted to i i couldn't stop like i said it's that mental obsession and that physical craving um which is an allergic reaction and when I want to escape that badly and also have unlocked an even further level of this mental obsession and physical allergy or craving, the two in hand hand in hand, it's it's oblivion stuff. And it, like where like all my using and boozing was like this nagging thing. Mm. It was always like people have naggings throughout the whole night. But whereas like it was oblivion was, was still not enough, you know. So mm. w- towards the end, it was just more 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 and i remember yeah a few seizures and i kind of kept that those to myself a lot um they never happened in public did they They never happened in public because uh, like i said i was at a stage where a lot of my using and boozing was done alone you know and uh it was it was tough and it it, it scared me and again this is the power of, of addiction jim because it scared me so much to the point that i i couldn't stop I could not stop, mm. and this is. I remember my heart palp, palpitating, jumping out of my chest, and and in convulsions. And I do remember like one time, kind of in a weird, like out of body kind of experience. I remember looking at myself on the couch, but which was weird. But I I haven't talked too much about that. Mm. Um, but it it was definitely like weird to think like that but yeah it was kind of you know convulsions seizures um and psychotic episodes and towards the end and it was that it was a psychotic episode that i kind of had that was just like i again i was in this kind of room and i i thought there was like you know demons i had unlocked like these weird demons and 
I thought people were coming into my room and and uh, you know that it, it was just dark stuff, man. Dark, really dark stuff. Stuff that just wasn't happening. You know, it wasn't. It was this whole addiction thing had gone too far now. You know, and I I remember I drank then like some like close to half a liter of brandy and I think I got like an eight ball of coke and uh, was like right I'm, I have to do this before I go to treatment. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, the last hurrah. The last hurrah. Okay. The last hurrah. And I went to treatment. Uh-huh. And um, I went to treatment the next day, actually. Literally the next Still day. buzzing? Or? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. No, I was, I was de- <laughs> detoxing for about a week. Um, it was tough times, you know. But like you said with the podcast, it's, uh, it's always looking for ways to improve. Mm-hmm. And you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's what that rehab did for me it, mm-hmm. it started me it planted a seed for me in my journey of recovery um yeah does that answer your question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> answer several questions um okay can you talk me through then your experience in rehab were you thinking looking around to people saying like oh i'm not that bad were you looking around saying oh maybe i can connect with these people these people understand because maybe you were around people that didn't understand before like what was going through your head during these few weeks like when you were detoxing with detoxing I'm gonna just write off because okay. that was that was just kind of a bit hazy because um, you're, you're kind of given medication to to, to uh, come off drugs and alcohol you know so you're kind of you're in a little bit of an altered state to yeah. be able to so you're not come shaking or you're not, you know, as anxious and coming down, I guess, you know, and kind of getting sicker. But certainly, you know, when I kind of found my feet, it was it was interesting. I remember after I detoxed, I, had, I was back again. I was good as new. I could have walked out of there. Yeah. I was fixed. Okay. You know, and that was my addiction talking to me. Being like, yeah, come on, you're, you're, you're ready. You're done now. You've seen this. You've gone to rehab. I was there a fucking week. <laughs> um, but it was, to kind of go back to your question, I was in a place where I knew I was in the right place. I knew that I, I wasn't kidding myself anymore. I knew it had solidified, it had solidified the fact that I was right the whole time. Okay. That I was like, okay, you know, I can accept that I am an alcoholic and a drug addict. And that part was actually kind of easy. But, yeah, there was still a lot of work to be done. My life was still unmanageable in a sense that, yeah, I still had my job and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, so on paper, but a lot of emotional unmanageability there, mm-hmm. you know. And that goes back to that raising head that I was, I, I believe that I was born with, you know, okay. like that beehive. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, so what was the first step? Of... Like, like, the, like, first step, you're like, all right, I have a lot of work to do here. I have a lot of, maybe... Apologies, a lot of building of relationships, a lot of yeah, working myself. Well, I think, you know, in, 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 in rehab, they kind of give you a lot of, um, they give you a lot of ways to look at yourself. They don't, it's, it's kind of 12-step based, um, but they don't necessarily touch on the, on the steps to, until maybe the latter end okay. because they're kind of getting you to do work on really admitting admitting to the problem 
and and then getting your head around the fact that look you're in rehab and there's a reason for that and that you're powerless over alcohol and drugs um and to be honest if, if i'm entirely honest that's that's what rehab gave me it planted that seed like i said you know um but the real work started after you know and it's, it's it's kind of like that is so if you put it in perspective like this like i do a 12-step program with a kind of a support group mm-hmm. um and so treatment they give me step one but it's the rest of the steps and and beyond which is done in this kind of support group i guess okay. there's kind of like a basic textbook and that's kind of what we work from mm-hmm. and we all help each other and we kind of have yeah that kind of primary purpose i guess of you know staying sober and helping another alcoholic achieve sobriety and there's a lot to be learned within those steps man mm-hmm. um so it's changed ch- changed my entire outlook on life yeah really really has and it's funny because i want to get back to it in a sec but mm. we were talking last week about how um there are culturally accepted addictions right or coping mechanisms for this buzzing mind mm. or this hole in your soul mm. and not being good enough and then there are ones that are frowned upon correct so like you know work that's that's cool you're a hard worker mm. or um uh, sports you're healthy mm. and th- these are quite oh yeah i mean he's just he just does that a lot mm. like, but once you start going oh phone phone stuff as well we we're talking about yeah about, social media social media stuff, like that. stuff yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. accepted because oh i mean you have to be on your phone i mean that's just yeah i mean that's the thing like again i kind of want to just go, go touch on the fact mm. of you know it's a tough journey this recovery business because like you said there's many kind of varying levels of addictions and there's some are that are more frowned upon and drugs and alcohol are, are taboo you mm. know it's not i'd rather be anything than be an alcoholic i don't want my parents friends knowing that their son is an alcoholic you know it's things like that it's 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 um it, it's taboo and it's i think we were talking about earlier on and obviously with the crisis and everything going on at the moment it's like you know it's like if i if i contracted covid19 coronavirus you know people will be reaching out to help me and they will be reaching out to my family members am i okay sending well wishes and all that kind of stuff but when you suffer from a disease of alcoholism it's your fault you know you made the choice you did this you know and that's sad because while you're trying to work on yourself you're also you kind of have to do it sometimes for people in secret Mm. and you have to keep that that's tough man Mm. you know and like even this podcast that i'm kind of like sitting here and i'm kind of going oh is this wise to do a podcast with you Mm. you know but I have to remember, like I just talked about that primary purpose of staying sober and helping another alcoholic. So if this podcast helps one person, mm-hmm. my job is done in regards for this podcast. But yeah, so for that for that reason, it's a, it's a really tough journey. But that's the other thing. Addictions come in all shapes and sizes. And, you know, some people, you know, there, there's some phones now tell you how long you've been on Instagram for a, for a day now. Or whatever. <laughs> and some people have like, Jesus, you was on for six hours. Six hours? <laughs> six hours you were on Instagram today? Yeah, but like it was on and off. You still spend six hours of a day, you know? And people escape through that. People escape through their phones. They escape through Instagram and, and this perception of a better life. And don't get me wrong, I have Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that it's not a, an addiction, mm-hmm. you know? It's like I have this life that 
I'm escaping to it because it's like I, there's filters and all these sunsets there's everything like this and oh my god take me back to my holidays and when life was good and there was no virus or you know that kind of way and it's like people escape to that mm-hmm. and, and they kind of go this is this makes me feel better mm-hmm. this makes me feel that my life isn't actually you know that bad mm-hmm. or you know it's it it's perceived in a different way and people get 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 a buzz off that mm-hmm. you know and likewise people going to the gym people overdoing the gym people overdoing work like you said people overdoing uh, social media people overdoing eating is another thing mm-hmm. you know like people kind of go oh there's so much lockdown so I'm putting on so much weight mm-hmm. and it's like anything that gives you a solid um, hit an ego hit or or a solid dopamine hit it's you're going to latch on to that and you're going to escape through that Mm -hmm. just because you know the gym isn't taboo like drugs and alcohol doesn't mean that overdoing the gym and going three times a week or three times a day isn't a bad thing and it doesn't mean that it's not an addiction you know there's a hell of a lot more than just going to the gym three times a day it's like well, you care about you how the how you look, how others perceive you, mm-hmm. you know all of this kind of stuff, and and it's um so yeah 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 that's um and I'll still do that you know I'll still do that because if I don't have drugs and booze that I'll find myself and and it's I have to rein myself back in and I kind of go you know oh God I'm spending too much time on doing doing this because it's my default I have yeah. to escape okay. you know and. Um, I have to be careful of that every single day, you know. You use the metaphor of saying there's like a hole in your soul. Mm. Uh, and I was reminded of uh, Jay Cole has this interview where he <laughs> talks about how him and other people around him had holes in their heart, basically, holes in their soul. And then when you fill them up with external things, yeah. it's like, uh, oh yeah, now I'm back all, now I'm back all. Mm. But maybe the answer is to try filled it with, with within well, you know you you're, you're absolutely right you're absolutely right you know i think everyone kind of thinks exactly like that and like i said this is spirituality is obviously a common denominator between us now um at the moment and and i think people as well kind of see that in a weird light too oh yeah, yeah and they're yeah. gonna go oh jesus he's a yogi yeah, yeah, yeah. hippie now or yeah, he's doing this and it's actually it's a lot more than that and it's a lot more simplified than that you know it's a lot more kind of like you know you have spent six hours on instagram but have you ever thought about how your heart pumps <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like have you ever thought about what makes what is photosynthesis what like, <laughs> there's so much going on around the place that you spirituality kind of connects you to and and i know we kind of um we will do that and we'll we'll kind of go if i get this red new car this will fix me mm-hmm. but once you get the red car the green one actually looks a little bit more appealing maybe i'll get that too mm-hmm. you know that kind of mm-hmm. way if i get this new iphone if i get this new you know football boots if mm-hmm. i get this new anything man anything that that'll fix you and that's the thing they're material things and you know I think that hole in the soul is a hole that cannot be fixed mm-hmm. with material items. Mm-hmm. It's simple as it's the opposite of spirituality, mm-hmm. you know. And that's not to say that's not me sitting here going like I can't get the new iPhone. Like you can, <laughs> but it's I have to be aware that that's not 
yeah. what's going to fix me yeah. from feeling emotionally off kilter or off balance you know so I know we've talked about kind of a, a higher power thing and that for me has been such a monumental um, you know game changer in my recovery because now I have something that I put my full faith in mm. that is going to make you know my life a hell of a lot easier because mm. all of a sudden it's got nothing to do with me mm. you know life doesn't revolve around me you're not the protagonist I'm not the protagonist you know <laughs> there is a narrative there's a script for me <laughs> you know and a lot of people kind of go yeah but ugh, what does that mean like you know you know and they get kind of angry and tetchy and mm-hmm. you know how yeah but like how, how do you even know that and it's like I don't but I choose to believe that way mm-hmm. because I can't explain any other things you know there's Powers that are greater than yourself, you know, solar power, wind power. Like I said, you're pumping heart. You can't, uh, 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 this, these are all powers that are, are greater than I am. Electricity is greater than I am, you know, and I don't understand it. These are powers. And if I choose to believe that there's a power that is greater than me, that has a plan for me, that created the world or created anything else and the reason that I'm sitting here with you Jim having this podcast I believe is part of my plan Mm -hmm. you know Um, and I choose to believe that way because I don't know any different why would I put so much energy into thinking that it's not Mm -hmm. when I could channel that energy into thinking well okay maybe yeah maybe 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 there is a plan for me and anything that happens is nothing to do with me and it's all part of something if I miss a bus if it's raining you know okay well Maybe I wasn't meant to get that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's... Maybe the plants need it more than I do. There's rain. You know, that kind of way. It's... it's All of a sudden, it takes you out of you. Yeah. And and life becomes... That hole gets slowly filled. And... No Ferrari. No iPhone. No anything. Social media image of the Bahamas with a massive sunset filter is going to fix that. Mm-hmm. Like like having faith in, in, in something that is beyond your capability of of comprehension I guess can I ask you know as a 20 something Irish man was I'm sure there was resistance initially when you first came across this idea because I know I had the resistance mm. I was like oh no oh like oh, no, people think I'm weird and oh like I don't I don't like God I'm not like mm. Jesus Christ no and mm. there's all this tightness I remember I experienced did you feel this resistance also you, like you mentioned that you've talked to people and they were like this is the reason why um, I can't continue these steps like I disagree with this yeah 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 yeah, yeah they can't it's I kind of I see it in a few ways, you know, I think it's an ego thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm not going to do this because you're wrong. It's like, well, are you right? <laughs> you no, know, yeah, yeah. and th- there is no answer to this right or wrong thing. And I think when I did that, I became, I got humility into my life a little bit more. I became humble around the fact that, well, just because so-and-so over here doesn't necessarily believe in this higher power doesn't mean that I can't you know Mm -hmm. and once I got that humility in my life that I was like okay well if I truly believe that there's a plan for me and that that this person so and so is saying that there isn't it's got nothing to do with me so once that penny dropped it became a hell of a lot easier to be able to 
to run with the concept that I was trying to roll with. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of, I, it didn't matter to me anymore. It's like, okay, well, that's how you feel. <laughs> this yeah. is how I feel. The two are not different. They are your beliefs. These are mine. Mm. You know, and it's like, it's like, why you have to ask further? It's like, why do my beliefs in this spirituality and this higher power thing affect you so much because yours don't affect mine <laughs> there's a there's this quote I like uh, it says doubt is an unpleasant condition but certainty is even more absurd oh I like that one <laughs> I do uh, Why don't you, I'll, I'll ask the questions here Jim <laughs> explain that one to me a little bit more um, I don't know I, I guess I find solace in the idea that I don't know um, and one of the difficulties uh, of me doing this podcast, particularly when I do episodes with Seb, is um, coming across the idea that, that I know things. Mm. I, I really don't think I know that much. I can go off my experience. Your experience was different. I'm more than happy to hear about your experience and how mm. that's helped your life and, and vice versa. But uh, th- like this quote you know, reminds me that there's, there's, uh, there's real... Uh, real like beauty in accepting that you don't know mm. and you probably never will know mm. a lot of things uh, and that a lot of the suffering or difficulties that I've had in my life is wanting to have these like no I but I know this and I know mm. this and I know this mm. and um, letting go of the idea that like this is right and this is wrong and this is back and this is white under no circumstances etc etc right that's helped me um, kind of yeah, I guess, yeah, I, it's helped me kind of, I don't even, I haven't even thought about the correlation, but it just makes me more at ease with myself, like, I'm not trying to, I mean, I'm happy to have a quote-unquote debate about things, mm. but I know what you mean, like, uh, do you, you know? I do, yeah. I, I think I know what you're saying, mm. and, and correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, mm. if I'm off, um, but I think we live a life run on self-will, mm-hmm. and we need to have closure on things yeah. we need to control things no i need to four plus four has to equal eight or else it's wrong mm-hmm. you know it's like well what if it's not wrong you know and people kind of grow up and 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 it's i think it's it's as human beings we're, we are afraid to lose control mm-hmm. but i think handing that over it's handing over the control and going oh no you, this up to you up to you big guy in the sky or whatever you want to do or this you know it's got nothing to do with you again it takes that control out of your hands mm-hmm. and that is a good fucking feeling mm-hmm. because you don't have to get involved with anything it's got nothing to do with you mm-hmm. anymore you know like I said about this bus or you know maybe it's um, maybe it's a, it's a relationship you had I just need to know I just need to know what that person feels or I just need to know it's like why why do you need to know all this? You know, why do you feel? Who gives you the right to know this? Mm. You know, well, I do. I was in the relationship. It's like, okay, but so is he or she. You know, maybe they don't want to close it for you. Mm. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, it's just, again, it comes back to a lot of self-will, self-centered stuff. And it's, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's, that that's, um, it's an interesting one. It's, it's definitely an interesting one. And I think people are, are um, 
very slow to react to the fact that you know oh, I don't live life run on self will it's like oh, okay you're doing it now <laughs> you know um, but hey look that's the other thing who are you to get involved in that it's their mm-hmm. self will mm-hmm. all you can do is look after yourself and I don't mean that from a selfish perspective I mean that in a sense of like if you are going to try and help loads of other people try to get this kind of freedom that you have you my friend are running life on self-will by trying to fix everything even though your motives are good mm. you know and it's that control all of a sudden you've ha- you find back in the palm of your hands and you're like uh, okay I don't want this so hand it over you used the metaphor of um, like a director but also trying to be the makeup artist and the lighting guy right yeah. right yeah yeah it's it's like the actor who wants like, to run the show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that's um, what I meant by that it's like you know the actor is an actor but often I think we find ourselves in all kind of walks of life like trying to arrange the lights Mm -hmm. trying to be the sound guy trying to be the director trying to be the producer trying to be the audience you know and when actually we only have to focus on just being an actor and it's 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 tough sometimes when you're trying to... It, it takes an awful lot out of you as a person by trying to be everyone and every everything and, and doing people and feeling really, really stressed at, at night and kind of going, oh my God, I have to do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And I have to do, I have to send emails. I have to, you know, visit my friend because she's down or blah, 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 blah or whatever. You know, it's like, slow down and let things be as they are be. Mm. as they be rather and because if you're trying to do all of these things like I said you're being an actor trying to control the entire production mm-hmm. and that is not your job your job is to be an actor you know likewise the sound, same goes for the director or the same goes for the sound technician mm-hmm. your job is to do that the sound technician's job isn't to be an actor you, you think- know so stop trying to arrange everything you and stop think? trying to make things go your way all the time. And by doing that, and it's like, do, do, just beyond that, I'm, I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But I now have... A, You're a, conscious of it. I'm conscious of it. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing it, I go, oh, okay, shit. And I hand that over to, to a power that I, is greater than myself. What that is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's certainly not a guy with a long beard and a staff waiting at the gates yeah. in the sky. Yeah, I was gonna but it's, 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 it's something bigger and it's, it doesn't actually matter. It's just I need to have faith in that, yeah. you know, that it is a power. And I connect with that. I talk to this power. You know, and that might sound weird to people, but if it helps me stop running life on self-will and becoming stressed at every single uh, juncture of, of life, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really, really am. Like, that's, um, that's the simple fact of it. And, uh, and I get that people don't want... People might think you're sitting on a pedestal by doing that gym too. You know, oh, look at you going to Denmark for your meditation. Who are you? Some sort of spiritual guru, monk. You know, it's like, no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just finding more yeah. to life. And to not be in a position where I have to all of a sudden judge someone for doing something that they they've, uh, want to explore further, like going to meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, I often think, you know, people who go, you know, why does that person feel the need to go, oh yeah, well, are you like some spiritual guru now? It's like, why did that person need to do that? If you are comfortable in your own yeah. right, 
you would not need to be you'd just be happy for that person yeah. love and tolerance mm-hmm. is the key you know um oh there's so many questions i want to ask uh, the one that comes sorry to am, mind, I, am <laughs> i talking too much and throwing you off no, no, no. <laughs> sorry man the one that comes to mind is uh so in your recovery i mm. guess you want to learn more about yourself now because you've maybe opened this door to the vulnerability that you close to um with drugs and alcohol and i've noticed now that like i'm trying to learn more about myself and accept this and then inevitably this makes me less judgmental of other people mm. because like i'm like oh jesus like of course i did something similar or like i did something worse or i did mm. you know um but can you talk a little bit about this when okay now you you come out you don't have drugs and alcohol to escape um any like revelations when you're like learning about yourself and oh yeah like i never did accept myself for this or i never did love myself for this or yeah yeah, yeah man there's um so like i said within this kind of this, this uh, program this 12 step program that i, I work uh, step four is we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves and what that is is lists of there's a resentment list mm-hmm. there is a fears list there's a sex conduct list and there is a harms list and these are all lists for say for example the resentment list this could be um you know someone could be anything anything that has bugged you over the years that you've you still have resentment towards like say for example a guy in my senior infants class when i was five made a show of me in front of my peers and I still remember that to this day and I still resent that guy to this day or whatever and um, you know then it kind of so you you find out the reason why that you have that resentment and then you have to look at the kind of behavioural characteristics of of yourself and that could be you know your pride your self-esteem your personal relations with other people it could be your ambitions or your security or your Anything like that, that it affects, like your ego. What does that affect me, you know? And you have to then look at the parts that you played in that, you know? Was I, you know, selfish or was I dishonest? Was I self-seeking in any of these ways, you know? And then you spot out your character defects. So, um, you know, an example of some character defects might be, you know, um, impatience, you know, it could be envy, it could be pride, it could be self-pity, it could be selfishness, it could be... Uh, self-righteousness grandiosity it could be anything you know but you might get a few character defects that are spat out just by one resentment Mm -hmm. and you're going okay so i'm looking at that kind of going oh so the reason that i felt that way and felt is because a it were felt that way in senior infants when it was so long ago because it actually affected my ego and it actually affected my pride mm. and it actually affected my grandiosity and it actually affected my X, Y and Z, mm-hmm. you know, and it is a hell of a lot easier to realize your faults and it's a hell of a lot easier to realize that, okay, well, look, there's, there's a reason for that resentment. Let it go. And it's a hell of a lot easier to do that. So when you learn about certain things like that, it makes you... A much stronger person and it makes you want to keep figuring out ways to keep working on yourself you know because if i have a list of all of my character defects i've literally i've done work now that i know what what is holding me back and mm-hmm. has been holding myself back this whole time mm-hmm. well then i just write one word 
beside each of them and it's the opposite of that character defect so if it's dishonest it's honest you know so when you do all these kinds of things you now know if you fold the page over and you're list with you're left with the list of the opposite of your character defects these are the things to work on mm-hmm. and turn the page back over these are the things to try and avoid and they will crop up mm-hmm. they are character defects mm-hmm. do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so but now I have the, the wherewithal to understand that and that makes things a hell of a lot easier and makes things you know when you're when you slip up you can apologise to someone for something because you you can see you're faulting you can see that it's your character defect you can oh my pride was affected there and that's why I lashed out at someone you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's um it's a it's a good way to be it's a healthy way to be to be able to reel yourself back in mm-hmm. I guess and 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 also know the reason why you, you have to do that in the first place yeah. does that no yeah man does great. it thanks yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, what I'm interested in is not that I want to encourage comparisons, right? But I'm sure you have this like new sense of a high now that you don't do drink, uh, mm. drink uh, alcohol and do drugs. Um, have you ever like compared the high after you know taking a lot of cocaine to I don't know helping people in your meeting mm. or um, you know I don't know because what I found is I get real. Uh, real calm and at peace with small things that I never used to mm. and it's almost like a high you know right like I'm kind of just sitting down and it's just the birds singing and before it was always just a background noise but now I'm just like yeah. this is beautiful yeah yeah um, and it's those kinds of things man. like you can't answer your own question <laughs> um, I, it's like yeah but like you could never experience that from you know it's like yeah well I kind of can't because I've experienced every single up and down and sideways and up, inside out way of, of doing drugs and alcohol you mm-hmm. know so now that I've experienced life to a different lens almost it's like the birds chirping it's like my family are happy mm. you know it's like my mum doesn't cry mm. she sleeps well at night you know, work's going really well. Things are all, nothing really, a hell of a lot is phasing me. Mm-hmm. I don't have the worries or the problems that I had in, in, anymore. That to me is a high. I help people, you know, I help people. Like I said in, in, in this, for example, this podcast, if this even reaches out to one person, that I get a buzz off that, you know, uh, but it's a healthy buzz of helping another yeah. person. You know, it's being there, showing up, Doing the next right thing. These are all things I never did, mm. you know. And and when you are f- fulfilled by doing something you know is morally right, there's a sense of of wonder and awe and and for lack of a better word, a buzz off it. <laughs> Madge. Madge. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh yeah, I, I have to. What came to mind here is I was watching this interview with Shia LaBeouf. I don't know if you've seen mm. Shia LaBeouf yeah. kind of trajectory the last few years. Yeah, yeah. I have. Uh, and he was in this interview and he was talking about how he felt before he uh, went to rehab. And he said, I had really low self-esteem. Mm. And he said, I had low self-esteem because I wasn't doing any esteemable acts. Yeah. yeah. I, I was only serving myself. But this is exactly it. Yeah. I think remember what I was we chatted about about it just before this it's like it, so this buzz I'm talking about you know this buzz of kind of like of helping people and 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 doing the next right thing and stuff like that it's like to keep that mm. 
You have to give it away. You know, and that's kind of the secret to everything. In in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like for me to to feel self esteem, I have to also. No, maybe that's a a bad example. Cut that out. (laughs) uh, But for me to, uh, it's hard to explain. For me to keep what what keeps me at peace, mm-hmm. I have to give it away in in a sense that I have to help other people. I have to show, do the next right thing. I have to show up. I have to be there. I have to do all these things that are, like Shia both said, are self-esteemable. Mm. You know, they're actions. They're not, they're things that will make you feel good about yourself because, like I said, you're doing the right not, thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. and it's got nothing to do with you. If you're helping someone genuinely and not looking for anything else, then you're in a good place. And a lot of people can say that, you know, when they're like, you know, uh, it's like, you know, no, no, I, like, I would give my shirt, the shirt off my back to help that guy. But really, is that person thinking, I would give my the shirt off my back to this guy if there was a crowd on Grafton Street? Do you know what I mean? Mm. There's also an alternative motive there behind that, that it's like, oh no, my, my intention is good. Like I, I would definitely give him that shirt. Mm-hmm. But am I doing that? For the right reasons. For the right reasons. Mm. You know, and I think what Shia LaBeouf is saying, it's like if you're doing things that are genuinely, genuinely to do them and not look for anything else, well then, that is, is a buzz and that is something there are things that you weren't doing in the past mm. and that really really is, is fulfilling kind of work you know you're doing the behind the scenes work <laughs> <laughs> in every sense of the term beautiful um man if, uh, unless you <laughs> want to bring up something i'm happy to move into the last section if you... yeah like i i don't uh, i don't know i, I think yeah I, I like are you talking like a kind of a, a final point yeah um, yeah, yeah i think if there was I don't know. I think I think if there's anything that I'm trying to convey is it's like this can happen really easily. Mm-hmm. It can happen from anyone from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. It is the same disease. Mm-hmm. It'll get you when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. There is a solution to it. Mm-hmm. Um and your life can actually take a 180. And the last thing is that it's not a taboo thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, if anything, it's fucking, it's ballsy. It's yeah. ballsy. And that's, that took me a while to, to figure that out, you know. Um, again, because I had my old behaviours back and I'm kind of, what are, what's everyone going to think of me? And is this going to hinder anything else like this? You know, if I keep on, on the beam, man, um, I'm, in, I'm in a great place. Life is, life is really, really fucking wonderful. And I don't need to be sitting in my bedroom drinking vodka, sniffing coke. And I'm ruining everything, and leaving a trail of destruction behind. You know, and I think it's. Yeah, I think that would be the main thing. It's not to like it's. This happens, you know, and and alcoholism happens a lot, a lot behind closed doors, and a lot of people. Know someone or they're friends with someone. It's very in close proximity to us, but it's swept under the rug, and that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I just want, like I love listening to you because I had the feeling that you were talking about that you were trying to hide. I mean, I still have it partially. Um, when you're talking about, yeah, I'm just trying to uh, quiet the doubts, quiet the mind. Mm. Um, and I guess when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking like, yeah, I think 
I'm healthy or whatever now but I know that I still have that same condition like I'm still like trying to work on this kind of you know not being good enough or mm. and I'm lucky enough to have I don't know people in my life or to have found myself in a situation where maybe I have um, been lucky to have somewhat healthy ways of trying to address this mm. but I know equally that I like yeah I guess when people in my impression is when you, people look at alcoholics they're like oh they're all over the place, like the, mm. whatever, whatever. But I don't think, well, me personally, anyway, I never, uh, until recently, I've never gone, wow, they're suffering from the exact same thing that I have, except I'm coping in a different way, or I was lucky enough to have these friends, mm. or I'm using, I was, yeah, I was lucky enough to have a healthier way of doing it. Mm. Like it's, because I think almost everyone, I, I feel, at least when I'm talking to people and they're really honest to me, express this kind of not feeling good enough mm. for, um, and that like some ways some ways are much healthier than others but also know that this guy who is an alcoholic is not this you know alien that like oh that can never happen to me yeah you yeah know? exactly he's, he's, yeah i think as well it's 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 important definitely to know that just because you know you don't feel good about yourself doesn't also it doesn't qualify you as not no true, 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 true you know true. what I mean it's like but 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 you're right you're, you're definitely right in the sense that you know it's um like I just see strong similarities yeah what I mean is, yeah yeah and I really think if I grew up in a particular place where it was more encouraged to do drugs and alcohol mm. and I had like maybe more disposable, disposable income or whatever mm. I think that could have been me. You yeah, know, I really do because because mm. um, I do have that feeling sometimes. Like, ah, oh, God, like mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. To, Thank to, you so to, much yeah. for having me. Honestly, yeah. I really enjoyed that. I hope I didn't ramble on too much. That's the top. the final section of this uh, enriching podcast um, I just want to ask how do you get your quote unquote shit together um, how, are there ways in which you um, counter other low feelings like negative thoughts um, just a, mm. a feeling of sadness or whatever um, what do you yeah good question I think I think it's like it kind of before I go into it it kind of has it's like it's it's easy to get your shit together. Mm. It's not easy to maintain that. <laughs> okay? okay? So it's like, it's it's easy to get sober. It's not easy to stay sober. Mm. And you have to do these actions like I was talking about. Um, so for, for me, like, I do a lot of things that I just didn't do in the past, you know? <laughs> and and what that is, and I, I make a conscious effort to do that. Mm -hmm. Things like, I know it sounds really simple, but things like making my bed in the morning, yeah. you know, that's a massive one for me. Okay. It starts me off with a day that I have discipline. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing this because I actually like coming home to like a bed that's like made, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh yeah, that was kind of cool. And it sets me off for the day. But there's lo loads of things. Before I, w I kind of get up, I, I, I make a conscious, conscious 
conscious decision to connect with this higher power that I was telling you about mm-hmm. and I kind of hand the day over okay. to that person I kind of assess my day assess what my what's going to happen but I don't get bogged down by it and mm-hmm. you know if I have okay I have to do x y and z oh I must call my mom at some stage and blah 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 and I don't then when I'm doing that I hand over the day and go in a nutshell anything that happens today happens for a reason mm-hmm. you know um, and that's to kind of break it down really, really simply. You know, like everything that happens today is completely out of my control and that there is something greater at work here that is, you know, uh, propelling me into into the rest of the plan. Mm-hmm. So, and when I do that, I, I, I kind of go, okay. Then I am also make a conscious contact with my addiction itself. And I go, okay. Let's do this. What have you got for me today that you cannot win with? Mm-hmm. You know? And like I said, I keep everything in, in 24 hours. Absolutely everything. Now, it would be remiss of me to say I don't plan for stuff ahead mm-hmm. because, like, I have to. That's yeah, just yeah. using my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I try to keep as much as I possibly can within 24 hours. And, um, you know, I those character defects that I was telling you about, I try my utmost best to work on the opposite of those mm-hmm. and be, stay aware of the defects but also try to incorporate the opposite of doing things like that and if something comes up I should tell someone I should check in with people a lot more I um, reach out and I try and help someone who may be suffering mm-hmm. um, in any way shape or form that I can and that's not to fill an ego it's to kind of go because I know it by helping them it helps me mm-hmm. too you know and it's uh and that doesn't mean I'm I'm sitting on some top white rock kind of going, come on. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's just like I'll check in with one of the lads mm-hmm. who's also in the same recovery with me. How are you getting on? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's those kinds of things. Oh, well, like I'm not doing too great today or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, look, let's chat about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's a massive crucial thing is c- connection, mm-hmm. is talking with people and just, you know, shoving away the kind of the shit. You mm-hmm. know, I'm just like, no, I don't really talk about my emotions and stuff like that. It's like, okay, okay, that's no worries. But like, with this way of living now and the way I live my days, I, I do. I, I actually really do. That doesn't make me any more deeper mm. than anything, but it just means that, like, I don't keep them in my head. Mm. Um, so I do that, and I try to exercise, obviously. I um, try, you know, I, I connect, I meditate in the morning, like I said, meditate in the evening. And I think that's, that's pretty much it. I'm just, I, I'm very conscious of just doing the next right thing and trying to re- rein things back in when, I, when my head is kind of somewhat gone off the beam and, mm. and stuff like that. And I, I, I swear to you, man, I'm at the happiest I have ever been in my entire life. Mm. And I don't know what's, what the plan is for myself. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. But it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> that's great. You know, but I don't feel like I need to know what I'm doing, and that's where the magic is. Mm, I like that, man. I think it's a better way to end. <laughs> good, good. Thank you. Thank you. Buddy. Nice one. Nice one. <laughs>